No idea what episode this is, but uh, I see. But we don't do this. Don't let him corrupt you. We don't make our picks right away because then the radio show is over in about ten minutes. Well, there's a couple things I want to talk about. <laughs> and he's at it again. <laughs> and the bears are like, well, we got Bob Evelini. I haven't heard an answer yet, Joe. And you're not going to hear one from him. That's, That's not how this show works, old man. Herbert is, Herbert is pronounced a bear. Oh, no, it's Herbert. No, it's a bear. By the way, I have to apologize. You guys, her writer Jay was right about Justin Herbert. It is Herbert. <laughs> This is your. We've been on, to say we've been on a hiatus would probably be a. Uh, it would be putting a nice spin on things, but but uh, we got something to be excited about. We got football, and it's back. I'm of course with my father, Joe Joe Adante. How are you doing? Hey Jay, pretty excited to be back, huh? Yes, and the two of us freshly vaccinated. <laughs> We both got our second uh, shots today, earlier in the day. Yeah. Um, so we are going to talk about the, specifically the, the Bears, uh, the draft upcoming tomorrow night. Uh, Bears are poised to start round one with pick 20, but uh, people out there aren't 100% sure whether they're going to actually trade up. And try and uh, get that QB of the future, or uh, if they're going to uh, push to you know stay where they are, or if they're gonna, or they might even possibly trade down if uh, the ideal character isn't there. Um, I'm all on the trade up wagon. Uh, I, I don't know where you stand there. It's really a, a tough call because. I'm kind of with you. I'd like to see them trade up, but you know, the different scenarios I've seen is that trading up has been extraordinarily expensive. Well, I mean, especially ridiculously for the Bears. expensive. <laughs> I mean, there's been some scenarios depending on, on what models you're looking at where if the Bears wanted to trade up, say, to get in the top, you know, six, let's say, five or six, uh, it could cost them a couple first round draft picks, you know, this year and next year. Yeah. Uh, it's just extraordinarily expensive to, to move up in the draft. But, you know, I know people are sick of hearing about this, but, you know, this entire draft program, uh, this fix that the Bears are in, the whole thing has been put into motion and has been caused by the fact they screwed up their quarterback pick four years ago. And it took Mitch Trubisky, passed on Mahomes and Watson, and they've been paying the price ever since, and now they're you know they're in a tight spot. I mean they they desperately need a quarterback. There's no question about it. Well, yeah, and I guess the reality is that somebody wants to tell you that you know don't bother trading up, and there are prospects later in the draft that you could pick up. Uh, you know, low end people that that might have a high end appeal once they get started, but they're not going to be day one ready. Um, I know I've, I've seen Felipe Franks going a lot 
to the to the Bears uh, later rounds, by round five, round six. They don't have, I don't know, they've got six. They don't have a seven. Um, but a little later, I, I grabbed him one time in the fourth round of a in a mock draft because I really wanted him above the other ones that were left, and I was concerned he wouldn't be there anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, it centers around uh, either trying to trade up and get a high quarterback prospect or staying where you're at and possibly being able to get a high-level tackle to uh, even out the the line for the Bears and um, either picking up a quarterback you know, later or seeing how this year goes and maybe you'll be in a better spot to get a high pick next year. Yeah, well, I think it, I think it kind of summarized the Bears' needs uh, quite simply is they they need three big things: quarterback, we mentioned, and as you mentioned, offensive tackle, and also a cornerback. You know, they released uh, Kyle Fuller, of course, who was still good, but I can't really blame him for releasing him. He had a cap hit of twenty million dollars, which is kind of absurd. It'd be hard to field a team. You know, if you didn't, if you didn't get rid of them because <laughs> of the salary cap. Yeah. So those are, that's basically it. It boils down to offensive tackle, quarterback and cornerback. Now you can argue about which one they need the most. Certainly an offensive tackle and a cornerback are critical, but I, in this day and age in the NFL, you know, you're not going anywhere if you don't have a truly good quarterback. Well, and it becomes really hard to predict uh, which way they're going to go, because obviously you kind of need to see, you know what the first two picks are going to be. You know, it's, it's not even, as far as I'm concerned, it's basically a lock at this point that uh, Lawrence and Zach Wilson are going to go number one and two. Um, your decision about whether to move or not, in my opinion, is, is really highly based on the 49ers. Um, if the 49ers were to take Mac Jones, I think all... Um, I'm totally in the trading up boat at that time. If if Lance and Fields are both available, um, after the 49ers, and I think you can probably find some way to enter yourself into picks four through six, possibly seven if Detroit's willing to trade anything. Um, but once you get past that, you got to worry about um Carolina, New England, and uh, Denver trying to make bids. Yeah, I mean, even under the most optimistic models, I guess, you know, when I ran, had Mac Jones falling all the way to number 20, but I, I think that's unrealistic. It looks like all five of the top quarterbacks, as you were discussing, they're all going to be gone, certainly by by probably 15 or 16, they'll probably all be gone. It's, it sounds like even by the picks I'm seeing, you'd be lucky if they even get out of nine. Yeah, it's at possible. The, at this point, nine or eight, even, depending on where... Uh, Denver and Carolina end up falling. You know, it's funny. It's traditional, of course, and in good business practice, teams are playing it close to the vest. They're not really revealing kind of what their needs are. I mean, you can see it a little bit from the outside, but they're being pretty mum about, you know, who might they possibly draft because they want to start, you know, ripping each other off with picks with the trades. But, uh, I tell you, it's reached a new level this year because, yeah, you know, rarely do you have a year where you've got five really good quarterbacks that could go in the first round. And these teams are all teams are all ahead of the Bears are really playing this thing to the hilt, you know, really, really keeping it quiet as to whether they might be 
thinking about drafting a quarterback or not. Because some of these teams, like you mentioned, the 49ers, they already have a quarterback. You know? So it may not be the ideal one, but yeah, you know, there's teams that actually have quarterbacks that are kind of hinting around that they might draft a quarterback because they want to they try to trick the Bears into making a trade and giving away a couple of first rounders and maybe a second round you know, to move up uh, 14 places or 15 places. Yeah, they um I thought the, the yeah, you were saying Mac Jones falling to 20 made me laugh. Um cuz uh Justin Fields and and mine fell to 20 and I, and immediately I started questioning Pro Football um the Pro Football Network's website. Well, yeah, in these simulators, you can each time you run them, you get wildly different results because there's different assumptions here. I think the bottom line is that, to me anyway, if you have the trade to move up to like six, I think that's too much. They're going to ask for too much. You kind of have to follow, I think, how the draft goes. If you're if you're really locked in to pick a quarterback, and I'm not sure the Bears are, frankly. Quarterback never seems to be that important to the Bears historically. But if you're really locked in and you want you want one of those five quarterbacks, then I think you got to follow what's going on. And then, like you say, after the first three are off the board, maybe you think about trading up to twelve, you know, eleven or twelve. Well, I, I don't it won't be so costly. Well, I guess realistically, my thought is that they're probably going to be gone at that point. Well, I mean, you wouldn't make the trade unless one of them was there. Well, they, in other well, words, they'd be there, but they won't. They, well, by the time you've waited, you've probably waited too long. I mean, especially if you're like I don't, I don't think there's going to be any of those quarterbacks left after eight or nine, and if you are going to end up somewhere in like you know twelve or ten or anything like that, I mean realistically, I think it's going to be too late by the time that happens. I mean, but are you telling me that if you can get Justin Fields or you can get Trey Lance, that it's it's not worth, and not even really worth a first because you're trading for a first, so you're giving them a first, taking their first. And then it costs you a first later, and let's say a second this year. Oh, it's it's, it's going to be costly no matter what you do. You know, I'm as I'm saying, this is the this is the uh, tremendous rut or hole that the Bears placed themselves in by screwing up four years ago on the quarterback pick. You know, they had the number three overall pick in the draft four years ago, golden opportunity. Could have got Patrick Mahomes. Or Deshaun Watson, and uh, they didn't do it. So you know, when you when you screw up a draft, it really comes back to haunt you even years later sometimes. And this one's, it's gonna be costly no matter what. I'm just saying to to trade up to number six or five is extraordinarily costly. If you only have to move up to thirteen or fourteen, it wouldn't be so bad. Well, and it and it essentially it cost them about seven and a half million dollars to try and upgrade Trubisky essentially considering he was willing to take two and a half million to go to Buffalo versus the 10 million or so that Dalton's getting. So everything, everything seems to come back to cost the bears in the end, whether it's draft or money. Well, I'll tell you, that's one very peculiar thing. This is true of all the sports and I've always have to laugh when I see it, but it happens all the time. And that is, it seems like when a person's been on a team for a while, as a general rule of thumb, his perceived value in in his mind, not in the team's mind, in his own mind, his perceived value of himself is much higher than if he goes somewhere else. 
So, for example, like you mentioned, the the quarterback that they did sign from Dallas, I think he was only making five million on Dallas. Okay, but the Bears, you know, threw ten million at him. But um, but Trubisky is is the classic example of what I'm talking about. Is that if let's say Trubisky wasn't cut, you know, let's say that he remained on the Bears, there's no way he would have signed for two and a half million. Yeah, no. Yeah, he would he would have wanted at least ten or more. But the fact that he's gone, I've seen this happen over the years, and I have to laugh my butt off all the time because players will be holding. I've seen players hold out, not just up, not just on the Bears, but other teams, but especially on the Bears, tackles and and uh, not so much quarterbacks because they usually don't have any good quarterbacks, but you know, tacklers <laughs> and defense. But I've seen them hold out, and then they get cut or they get an offer they deem too low and they leave, and then they retire or they go somewhere else. For way less, you know, or Brian Urlacher, yeah, the Bears offered him. You know, I don't know what they offered him, two million or something. This was after he was done. He already played twelve years. His knees were shot. I mean, you know, he just wasn't wasn't that good anymore. But they offered him. I think, I think it was two million. That could have been five million. But I think it was two million. But anyway, he just he just quit in a huff, you know. But no one else would give him any money, so he ends up retiring. <laughs> yeah, you know? and I saw that happen with uh, Olin Krutz. Olin Krutz got to be the poster child. You know, once again, he was—he already played 13 years. He was shot. He was center for the Bears, and they offered him two and a half million dollars, I think. And he got all upset. Well, and yeah. I don't know what he wanted—like 10 million or 8 million or something. Well, then he winds up quitting in a huff, and he goes over and signs for two million with the Saints. <laughs> He played a couple of games and then he retired. But uh, yeah, anyway, my point is is that people who stay on the team, they don't get cut. Their perceived value is 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 much higher than when they have to face cold reality. You know, well, I'm talking about I'm talking about yeah. players that aren't that good. You know. Well, and I always I always say that that's got to be really hard uh, for somebody, especially to say you're a center and you have played somewhere for. You basically your whole career, and then somewhere in your late thirties, you're trying to move to New Orleans and trying to, you know, get back into the groove of everything. It's got to be quite a shock to the system. Well, you know, especially in the NFL, when you have a salary cap, uh, as a player, you can't really be too full of yourself. I mean, they are anyway. They don't care, you know, because they get spoiled. You know, some of these guys with the big contracts. But you can't afford to get too full of yourself and and sign, try to sign for some ridiculous amount, thinking the grass is always greener. Because you know, if you're not really a top flight player at your position, a lot of times those offers are not going to be out there. And it's, and it's not because you're no good, but it's because of the salary cap. If somebody wants to spend a lot of money, they want to get a top flight player, and not somebody who's mm-hmm. like better than average. Well, yeah. Well, and then, of course, the issue is this year with the salary cap going down. uh, It's one of the rare times that happens. And uh, but what they're trying to say is, you know, they want everyone to get on board, knowing that across the board, you know, salaries are going to be going down. And they're kind of trying to backload everything, knowing that, you know, in years after this, you know, the salary cap should be back on the rise again. Um, well, so I think but, it's, so, so I think it's interesting. I know we were, so when we're talking about the draft, the funniest thing is I think a lot of times the bears, they always 
Dewey's end up picking up a, a decent handful of defenders. And the problem with me doing mock drafts is that, like most things when I'm doing anything football-related, I know absolutely nothing about defense. So my my one draft made me laugh because, um, you know, I, um, I kind of went into considering their needs a little late, but but like I said, Justin Fields fell to 20, so I was like, okay, well, that's not going to happen, but let's take him. And then, yeah, some, and that's, then that's, some, an, that's a no-brainer. If, uh, if any one of those five quarterbacks <laughs> is number 20, that's a no-brainer, especially and, Fields. Well, and then I fell to uh, my number, the 52nd pick. I somehow was able to get Travis Etienne. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I don't need a running back, but Travis Etienne is is free. Like you know the the Clemson running back, so so I was like you know he's there's no way I don't even think he's projected to get out of the first round, so that's not gonna happen either. So like I'm addressing some of the needs and I'm like oh I need a defensive tackle, so I'm getting him like round six, you know or something, and I'm like that doesn't sound right. But um I know there's some big names on the board. Obviously, the Bears need a quarterback, tackle, receiver, cornerback. In defensive tackle were some of the higher ranked items. And I think what was interesting was, um, so there's a fairly high number of really highly touted offensive tackles in this draft. Um, Sewell, Slater, um, Christian Derisau, Tevin Jenkins are some people to name off the bat. It sounds like Sewell and Slater are probably going to be earlier than round than pick 20, but I've seen a lot where Darisaw and uh, Jenkins actually fall to 20 and they end up being the Bears pick. But so. Well, if the Bears could get Darisaw, that's another no brainer. You know, yeah. Offensive tackle. But I, I think I my, my prediction is he will be long gone before the Bears pick at 20. I, I think he'll go in the 10 to 15 range probably. Well, and I've seen, I've seen Jenkins fall there more often than, than Darisaw, which I guess he's also not supposed to be, poorly touted in that in that class or whatever he's a pretty high-end tackle um but i guess the the issue is and i don't have one of the drafts near me but a lot of people were saying obviously i think tevin jenkins is a right tackle and i think darisau is a left tackle so a lot of people are saying what they what they want to do is you either you either move uh charles leno either move charles leno to to right tackle and you'd bring in one of these, you bring in like a high touted left tackle, like a Darisau. Um, or you could cut Leno and save yourself a bunch of money. Uh, and you'd have a left tackle now, um, behind him, someone who's ready to start. But, um, so that's a, that's a hard, it's a hard one to play with though. Cause obviously if you can get Jenkins, I guess a lot of people are in of the belief that, you know, Jenkins is a good pick. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know where he's going to go in all honesty. I haven't seen him really go that high in these different mocks, but you may be right. You know, we'll have to see, but you know, you mentioned a good point though, but talk about the Charles Leno kind of reminds you one of the, the second issue the bears really have, whether in such a tremendous hole is is extraordinarily poor salary cap management. We kind of touched upon this a little bit. But, you know, I can understand, say, Alan Robinson, okay, he had to, you know, he had to franchise him. So his salary cap hits 
17.9 million. That's a lot. But you talk about, you know, ridiculous signings. Robert Quinn, who's just, you know, at best, maybe slightly above average. The salary cap is 14.7 million. It's actually very slightly higher than Khalil Max. And Charles Leno, you mentioned he's got the fifth highest salary cap hit on the Bears, eleven point three million. Well, he's no, definitely he's, he's, he's definitely a candidate to get to get cut. Maybe maybe uh, you know post June first. You want to talk about the height of stupidity? Right behind Charles Leno is Jimmy Graham. It's Ten million dollar <laughs> salary cap hit for Jimmy Graham. Yeah, whose whose best days are probably five years behind him. I mean, his best days are his best days are junk time, junk time reset, touchdown receptions. And then, as, yeah, then as I recall, right around the time they signed Jimmy Graham, they had the draft, and they used a very high draft round on a on a tight end, a Cole commit. So, how smart is that? Well, that's that's Chicago smart. Is what, is what that is. <laughs> yeah. You know, some of these guys, like I say, all right, Allen Robinson, I get it. Khalil Mack, okay, I get it. Maybe Akeem Hicks, even twelve million, I, I get it. You know, people don't understand. Akeem Hicks is actually, in my mind. He's the most important guy in the whole defense, more important than Mac or anybody else. He's he's like the linchpin that holds the whole defense together. And kind of proved it year before last. He got injured and missed a bunch of games, and the defense just kind of went to heck. Uh, so those are guys I understand. But, you know, there's just no excuse for a Robert Quinn or a Leno or Graham. I mean, those are just ridiculous. And we talked about Fuller had a $20 million hit. I don't know what they were thinking when they signed him. Uh I don't care how good he is, but he could walk on water, but there's no way you're going to take a $20 million salary cap. They had to know they're going to be forced to cut him at some point in time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd you'd imagine that they, they know that. Um, so I guess the other one is, and people want to know, you know, where do you get your QB from if you if you don't get it from... You don't get the top five? Yeah, if you don't get a top five. So um, a lot of other notable names on there... Uh, Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, um, Kyle Trask out of Florida, uh, Jamie Newsom, Sam Ellinger uh, out of Texas. One of the ones I'm actually I was actually turned around to. Uh, I was talking about late round picks was Felipe Franks, who's uh, from Arkansas, and um, I guess people have been getting kind of high on him. Um, apparently, the guy. He has like one of the most powerful arms in the draft. And um he's like six six and a quarter, something like that, without shoes. <laughs> and, and 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 they're like, you know, it's it's just like how many it's like some people are like, Oh, he's a he's a he's basically a tight end or whatever and they're like, Yeah, how many six six people can throw a football, you know, seventy five, eighty yards? Um, but, but he, he sounds certainly like an interesting prospect if you can get him really late. Um, I've seen a lot of chat sports, um, channel stuff where a lot of fans are really high on Davis Mills and Kellen Mond and they're very, um, the host of those shows are, are not big Kellen Mond fans. So they, uh, they're like, I'm not picking him in my mock draft, you know? I'm not doing it, you know. I won't spend anything more than like a fourth round pick on him or, or something. But uh, but this Frank's character, uh, sounds interesting. And I was worried he was super slow, but I guess he had a, 
He had a 4.55 40 or something like that. That's plenty for a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's, I was going to say it's mobile enough. And, and I did see there was a, there was an entire episode on this thing called a, um, well, no, it is called QB, QB school, I believe. And it's a guy who is like a coach and used to be a quarterback, but he's a specifically a QB coach now. And he has a YouTube channel where he analyzes, he has a lot of ones where he'll train you through different uh, aspects of quarterbacking, but also he'll analyze a lot of quarterbacks. And And it was funny when somebody asked him about Franks, he had said, you know what, that's a great question. I've never heard of him till now. Hmm. And, uh, and he goes, you know, so let's find out together. So he watched tape of him. And and what he was going through was he was going through like, okay, you know, there's there's some of the things where, you know, you it's a college quarterback. Some reads aren't always great. And sometimes you think you can make some throws that, you know, is on Arkansas. They're playing some he's played like fairly decent competition. So, you know, defenses are good. But but he was really touting like how well um how in love with his form that he was. And that he's uh he was doing plays where like, Hey, he's on the, he's on the run out of the pocket and he'll still find time to set his feet, you know, and really try and plant and turn his body. And he's like, you can tell that he's really well coached. And I I guess the uh, knock on, from what I understand, the knock on Franks, I guess, is that he's too slow going through his different progressions, you know, from one receiver to the next. And I guess he's not really much of a runner. Really yeah, a pocket passer. So yeah, I don't know. Is that the kind of guy? Of course, if you get him in the, I don't know what round you're talking about. If you get him in the sixth or seventh round, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's your objectively. You're talking fourth or higher. Was where I ended up getting him in other mock drafts. I've seen him go, you know, last round. Um, so you're you're spending almost nothing on him, especially since the Bears have four sixth round picks. Um. Or the the nothing boys, as I'll call them, the the four or six round picks the Bears have. Um, but so he seems like an interesting or intriguing uh, angle to go with. So I know the progressions they were talking about that. Um, but mainly the big thing on him was, um, just form and a lot of being able to really make some throws and, um, maybe not much of a runner, but somebody who could you know, who obviously isn't going to be like a statue necessarily. So you don't run into like a Joe Flacco kind of issue where, where you literally like your legs don't know how to run. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so that's, so I think the quarterback angle, I think that covers it unless you've got any, anybody's rolling off the tongue for you. No, I think you pretty well covered it. Like I say, if you don't hit the top, five then yeah you then you're gonna have to really go like late round doesn't seem like there's much really in the that deserves to be in the middle i mean it's not not really any true second or third rounders there maybe in fourth rounders you miss the first round i think you're gonna have to get something in the you know sixth or seventh fifth sixth or seventh. that i i just i be honest with you, i don't have a lot of confidence in the in the bears abilities though to develop a quarterback though they never have uh, i've been following them you know personally for well over 50 years, and uh, I, I don't know that there's one single quarterback I've ever seen him develop properly, not one. I was going to say, it just seems, it just feels so wrong to me, you know, that 
people are allowed to have those jobs and and you can say that that in 50 years I've never seen somebody develop a quarterback like properly develop them I mean any even quarterbacks that you can think of as being good quarterbacks they basically just did it on their own I mean I don't think Jim McMahon was developed I think he just right. was but I, and I was just going to say that Jay is that and I've been following the Bears since 1965. And the only quarterback I've seen that truly was a good quarterback, I don't mean he had one good year. I mean, truly was a good quarterback over a length of time was Jim McMahon. But Jim McMahon was already a superstar quarterback at Brigham Young before he came to the He was a first-round pick of the Bears. And I think he held like 70-something NCAA rec- passing records uh, coming into the Bears at the time. So he was already a star quarterback. But but he's the only one that I've known in my you know since 1965 that I could truly say is a good quarterback, not just a mediocre or slightly above average. You know, we've had a couple of quarterbacks that have had one or two good years here and then go bye bye. But yeah, you know, but they they've had some truly awful ones. You know, it takes somebody like a Cade McNown. Cade McNown was a first round draft pick. It was truly a horrendous quarterback. I don't just mean bad, just horrendous. And the list goes on and on and on. I don't know how many they've had, what, 30-something quarterbacks in the last 50 years or so. I <laughs> in, think the, it's been, in the last 10 years. I mean. you know, in the meantime, the Green Bay Packers, I think, have had two quarterbacks in the last 30 years. Yeah. No, it's – um, and I, I guess, uh, you know, it's, it's – like you said, it's, it's going to be really hard, and it's hard to want to take somebody kind of late if you don't think you can develop them that well. You know, if you have to take someone who's a sixth round pick and mold them into the QB of the future. But um, other positions, I guess I'm particularly um, excited about is if they can get their hands on some receiving talent. Um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name fully, but uh, Amon Ross St. Brown um, out of USC is a is a pretty high, um, uh, pretty high probability that the bears might want to chase him down um and he's supposed yeah. to be a, uh an unbelievable uh route runner and speedster and um yeah there, you're right though there's some good talent out there as uh, on receivers i i just don't know i mean they, they might draft a receiver i'm sure they could use one but now they have robinson back now you gotta look for the long term robinson's only gonna be here for one year then he'll be gone but with Robinson coming back now, they just signed that former uh, 49ers guy. Um, so I think that, you know, they're okay. Not superstar receiver. They're, the receiver core, I think, is fine. But they got no one. They have no one to get the ball to them. Well, well and it also seems like um, like these are still, like, even Amon Ross St. Brown is still, like, a third-round pick or yeah, maybe yeah, or something like that. That'd probably be a good pick. Um, uh Anthony Schwartz, who's an Auburn Auburn uh, Auburn receiver, I still didn't say it right the last time, but I'm going to leave it. Um, but um, I had heard the name and reports are pretty high on him. But again, third third round, no, I think I got him fourth round pick when I ran around one of those mock drafts. I actually ended up with a few extra third round or fourth round picks from uh, Tennessee. And I got some good ones. And then I ended up with a second round from Tennessee in the 2022 draft. So, um, so clearly, uh, in pro football network, they really, Tennessee really wanted somebody with my pick. 
<laughs> and I was looking, I was looking around, and I go, I don't see anyone, but I get three picks back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I, I depending on how the players fall versus their need. Yeah, the Bears may be in a position where they got to you know trade down and get a bunch of picks from somebody, maybe Tennessee or somebody else. So I think um, the one thing I was looking at is that unlike most years, usually the Bears, the Bears have a huge habit of taking Georgia talent. Um, they like to pull a lot of Georgia's defense. Um, this is where they get most of their guys from, and there aren't a whole lot of them highly touted in the in the draft this year. Um, so I was trying to look for those to kind of predict what they might do, but um, I thought it was funny. I decided with my my uh, Mister Irrelevant for the Bears, um, I decided to grab a wide receiver from UCF. Uh, Jacob Jacob Harris and I was reading the report on him and I thought it was really amusing because he's a wide receiver and apparently he's a very big framed uh, possession receiver and someone had said that they would recommend he put on 10 or 20 pounds and become a tight end <laughs> was the thing and I go so what you're telling me is that he's a dual threat is what you're telling me is <laughs> yeah. that I'm picking up two for the price of one you know yeah <laughs> You either get to have him as a possession receiver or you put some food into him and he becomes a tight end. Yeah, Pick. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> dual, dual threat, you know. Um, well, so I think the notable things uh, outside of that, um, I think the first the first 10 picks are going to be absolute nail biters tomorrow. Um, I think I think 10 to 10 to 20 are going to be kind of chill. And then after that, twenty-one to thirty is just going to be like whoever's sitting around. But I think I think picks three through ten are going to be probably the most nail-biting draft picks and for the Bears in a long time. Well, you know the key to any football draft is is that yeah, you, you absolutely must hit on your first round draft pick. That's point number one, and then that's what the Bears have failed to do many times. You know, over the last fifty years. But the second point is that you know, there's always, unbeknownst to most, there's always a ton of talent in the later rounds, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. And some of the greatest players of all time have been low round picks. You know, Tom Brady, I, I don't know, I keep calling him goat, goat, goat. I think he was a sixth round pick. Uh, I look at Russell Wilson, who's considered one of the top quarterbacks today. He was a third round pick. Um, uh, you know, they're all over the place, even quarterbacks, but it's just identifying them. So if you're the Bears or, frankly, any other team, but, you know, the, the key to your coaching staff is can you identify these diamonds in the rough? And once in a while they do, but uh, not enough times. Well, and realistically, I think it's funny is that when you talk about people like Russell Wilson or you talk about, now, Russell Wilson has more of the physical characteristics, but it's not always that obvious, but... No, what, between, what, Russell, what, what, hurt, what Wilson is, he, he was too short. Yeah. You know, he's listed at 5'11 on the program. I think that's wishful thinking. But otherwise, <laughs> you know, otherwise he would have gone probably higher. But the point is, how do you identify these diamonds in the rough? Well, and, and it became hard because I look at like Tom Brady and obviously the physical stats to Tom Brady going into the draft were kind of terrifying. Like he's... He wasn't running a good 40 time. He's nothing all that spectacular, but you really underweigh the brain, you know, the way to control how they control the game. 
right and you know and that, that that's the key see I, and I, I i've harped on this for decades now but this is the key to everything if you're going to draft a quarterback there's too much put into measurables how fast does he run how far can he throw you know that type of thing how high can he jump all that stuff is pretty much meaningless when it comes to the, any level but especially the nfl the key to a quarterback is field generalship as you say, he's cool under pressure, does his reads, you know, accurate passer, uh, you know, is, is a true natural leader, that type of thing. I, and the poster child for that is Joe Montana. You know, Joe Montana didn't go to the third round either. Uh, Bears had multiple opportunities of getting him, but as I've said before, we didn't need a quarterback. We had Bob Avellini. <laughs> but the key is you can, you can get these guys, even quarterbacks, in some of the later rounds, especially the third, fourth, fifth rounds, but – you get you, it's it's hard. You have to find the, now. I don't think Montana was very hard. For example, I probably wouldn't have picked Brady higher. I'll, I'll give you that. But Montana, heck, if I was the Bears drafter, I, w- I would have picked him in the first round. I mean, he was he was a star then, you know, for Notre Dame. So, but these teams look too much at measurables. That's my point. We got to get away from measurables when it comes to quarterbacks, and look at their leadership abilities and the ability to keep cool under pressure. Well, uh, none other than Dan Orlovsky stepped up on ESPN to call out uh, Chicago uh, in their pursuit of a quarterback. And he had said, and I quote, Bears need to go into the draft assuming Andy Dalton does not exist on the football team. <laughs> yeah. um, so they were saying, he, he was saying that... Uh, Obviously, they need to get ahead of pick number nine, as we've been saying, and I think they need to get even higher than that. Um, but yeah, I know he he garnered some good laughs from that comment, but uh, among the panel, but it, it's hard, it's hard getting trolled by Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, it's a funny comment, but it's there's truth in it. it. You know, the other thing that complicates the matters for the Bears is the motivation of the people in charge. You know, both the GM and the head coach are in the hot seat, and they probably only have one year left before they get fired. So they really need to have a big season. And I think that's why, you know, they they traded for the, the, the quarterback. But the reality is even if you pick, you know, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, you know, one of these top five quarterbacks, so what? You know, they're probably not going to be a big star in their first year. They may not even hit the field till midseason. Well, that's not going to help the head coach or the GM to prevent them from getting fired. So you're kind of in a situation, and this is bad for Bears fans, by the way. This is the worst scenario. You've got guys that are, are desperate and want to try to do a short-term fix, but the draft is not a short-term fix. It's really, you're working, especially for a quarterback, you're looking for the long term. So this, this is going to be... A, this makes it more complicated to try to figure out what the Bears are going to do because I think they're, that's one of the things they're wrestling with is short-term versus long-term. Well, and um, well, I got to say, though, if you're Ryan Pace and you really think you're probably going to get fired, you know, if you really want to stick it to the Bears, you, you can take their next year's first-round pick away <laughs> if you really want to shove it in their, in their face. I, I think they're probably – I can't swear to this, so don't quote me, but I, I think they're in a position where – if they have to trade away multiple first-round picks, my, my guess is it's probably going to have to be approved by by the McCaskies, at least by Michael, by uh, George McCaskey anyway, the chairman, but uh, maybe my, even the my, ownership. My assumption is that if, if they do 
suggested it'll probably get approved just because I think they they understand the fans are kind of like, I, I, in my opinion, if you can if you can trade your pick next year's first round and a second round pick, if you can trade that to get Justin Fields, I, I think you you probably need to do that. If they want like three first rounds, I'm like, yeah, no thanks. But yeah, but I think this year just switching your pick and then giving them a first round and a second round, I, I don't think that'll end up hurting them long term. Um, Probably yeah. not. I, I I guess you know, having thought it through over the the days and everything, I I I think they're just going to have to bite the bullet, like you say. I mean, I I wouldn't go to three first round picks, but I think they're going to have to bite the bullet and. And give up two first round picks. Well, because in theory, you're only really getting, giving up one. Right. It's a net loss of one. Yeah. Um, well, and, I, I, and I really mean. believe, and I could be in the minority, I really think they need one of those top five quarterbacks. Because Dalton, as you point out, I mean, Dalton, this whole thing about Andy Dalton is, I hope he proves me wrong, okay? You know, of course, this is recorded now, so I may look like a fool, you know, seven months from now. Eight hey, you know what? Now, if, but- if, he, if he wants to make one of us look like a fool, I, I dare him. I absolutely <laughs> da- I would love it. I, I will come back on the show and I'll tell you Andy Dalton's the greatest quarterback of all time if, if he hey. wants to prove me wrong. Yeah, I agree. Well, nothing would thrill me more than if, you know, he becomes a pro bowler and leads the Bears to the Super Bowl, but... But Dalton, his best days are behind him from what I can see. I don't think he was that good in Dallas last year, frankly. Uh, now, granted, the guy he's replacing is one of the all-time greats, you know, based on his first few years as a pro. But if you'll notice, I mean, not that Dallas was setting the league on fire before, but after the quarterback injury, I mean, that was pretty much it. I mean, the Cowboys kind of sank to the bottom. Uh, they're getting beat by everybody, and it wasn't all Dalton's fault. The team's a whole. I was going to say good. their their defense is pretty terrible. Yeah, the defense is horrible, but I'm saying they cease they cease to become a competitive team. So I'm saying, I mean, yeah. forget about the playoffs, but I'm I mean that division, I mean 500 gets you in the playoffs, but they cease to become competitive. I mean Dalton's just at best mediocre, yeah, quarterback for a starter, and he's not. Why would you even trade for him if you had? I mean, I think Trubisky at this point, I think Trubisky is better than Andy Dalton. What does that, that, what does that say? I mean, especially with familiarity (laughs) with the system and now you have to get Dalton familiar and then you're just going to draft a quarterback anyway. Now, granted, maybe it looks a little better if you have two older quarterbacks on the roster and a rookie, as opposed to Trubisky being there, who's only like three, four years in, and then you bring a rookie in, maybe it looks a little better. To, to not look like you failed so so miserably, to, you know you you're like well yeah no Dalton wasn't the future you know so so you know oh, oh you're right there's no question about that if they, um, if they were by some miracle if they got one of those top five quarterbacks though I got to believe probably be Foles I guess but I got to believe one of Foles or Dalton though would be would be deep six though yeah probably well I know and I def- you're definitely not in the minority my my last thought here you're definitely not in the minority on the they need to get one of those players um yeah I think you're you're in the almost everyone at this point the thing is the rest of the team is pretty good you know the de- yeah. I mean the defense is pretty good and if you had you know and here's the thing we talk about these offensive tackles and it's, we always think about protecting the quarterback a big part of this is they need to get a better uh, tackle out there for the run game because, you know, the Bears pride themselves on the run game. The last couple of years, it hasn't been that good. And it's not because they don't have the running backs. Uh, I think, you know, Montgomery is you know pretty good. I mean, he's not a superstar, but he's pretty good. And now they have Tariq Cohen coming back. But they need to get 
better run blocking, so that's why an offensive tackle would be nice to have as well as protecting the quarterback. But my point is that their, their window of opportunity to make some noise in the playoffs, it's closing. You know, as far as especially with having a, a good defense, it's kind of closing. It doesn't last forever. Yeah. So they got to do something now, I think. Well, it sounds like they're going to – God, I got to hope they're going to make some kind of push to get the quarterback and maybe even get – worst case, get some wide receiver, uh, get one or two weapons. They usually end up getting at least one um, in the draft. And, and you might lose Miller. Um yeah, at some point here, and uh, unfortunately, I thought Miller would garner more interest than he does. But um, so I think the 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 last thing I wanted to go over here is just a couple of small uh, happenings around the league. All right, well, I wanted to get your thoughts on. Um, so I guess uh, notably, I know people are saying that the Packers are. Pat McAfee recently has said that the Packers are. Uh, uh, letting down Aaron Rodgers, they're basically uh, <laughs> they're 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 uh, just kind of taking it lazy on the on the draft and everything. And I guess they're projected to get a tackle, which is not a terrible way to go uh, in the late rounds. But um, Buccaneers, I see they just they just signed uh, Antonio Brown to a to a one year. Um, I think it's around six million six six point three million. Well, see, and I see kind of the ancillary benefit of having a superstar quarterback. Yeah. You know, people want to go there. You know, there's no way that he would sign with the Bears. Yeah. Period. But he certainly wouldn't sign for a little over six million. Well, and it's a, and it's, well, the, you have a quarterback like Brady, and also he doesn't take that much money. So then you can go out and you can pay yeah. Antonio Brown $6 million. You know, to be a third, fourth receiver on that team. You know, you raise a good, another good point, Jay. You talk about Tom Brady, and I know that he has some haters out there. And I think most of the Tom Brady haters are, are it's mostly due to jealousy, you know, or envy, you know, because he's, he's won so many titles. Certainly not due because he's a jerk or anything like that. I think he's always comported himself pretty well. Well, he's, but, well, to be fair, his, his recent, his recent uh, Trump alliances and, Various things well, have, have made him have made him kind of a target, and, uh, yeah, and he, and he just, is kind of a he is kind of a butthole, notably. But it's hard to argue with the on field performance. But the point is, is that uh, forever for the whole twenty odd years he's been in the NFL, he has always at least taken a lower salary, much lower salary than he could otherwise command. So that there'd be more left in the pot so they could bring in some good players, whether he was with New England or now with Tampa Bay. He's never been anywhere near the top paid quarterback, even though, like I said earlier, everyone's calling him the you know, greatest of all time or whatever. It just seems I, I it just seems crazy. He's he's the greatest of all time and and they're uh, you know, you're like, huh, that's gonna be costly, you know, and then you're out here making thirteen million dollars a year. And you're like how do you, how do you talk somebody into being the greatest quarterback and 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 only taking thirteen million? You know, you've got Dak Prescott out here trying to get forty. Okay, well, exactly. It's I mean, it's not now. It's not even close. But even in Brady's heyday, you know, ten years ago or twelve years ago or whatever, he was nowhere near the top eight quarterback. He would sign these long term deals for 
you know, comparatively small dollars because not that he needs the money. I know there's people out there listening would say, oh, he's got all the money in the world. What does he care? Yeah, but, you know, when you sign these deals like that, it's more of a matter of pride. You know, you want to be as, as high up there as possible. But he always wanted to make sure that they had room in the salary cap to bring in some good players. And you talk about the importance of a quarterback, and I've been saying for years and years and years, you'd look at the Packers, for example, and granted, it's been a while since they've won the Super Bowl, but I've always said for years and years and years, you know, you take away Aaron Rodgers, and that's just like an average team, maybe slightly better than average. Well, look what happened when Brady moved, and Brady's at the end of his career for crying out loud. And you take him out of now. Granted, the cracks were kind of showing in New England even the last year Brady was there. But my goodness, you know, you take Brady, and even you put Cam Newton in, who's really considered a good quarterback, and. I don't know. They were about what five hundred, if if they had. I don't even know if they were five hundred. I know it's a real shame because they were they started out really hot. I think they were like four and one or something like that, and then the wheels fell off. You just you just cannot you cannot overestimate in today's NFL the value of of an elite quarterback. Uh, it's just impossible. You know, you mentioned Dak Prescott, another classic example. Yeah. I mean, well, speaking of elite. Um, the last, the last thing on my list here, I just thought was a very interesting thing and it might be a short topic, um, for you depending, but, um, there's been, uh, messages coming out of Atlanta that there's a, there's a Julio Jones trade in, in the, in the possible future. Um, looks like Jones might be a, a casualty of the cap hits from the, from this season. Um. So, so I, there are two teams that are currently in the market. Uh, I can only, I can give you at least two guesses on who those teams are. Because one of them is a team that seems to always get every receiver after after they're done somewhere. <laughs> huh. I don't know who's that. That's the Ravens. Oh, the Ravens. <laughs> the Ravens always get somebody right after they're done somewhere else. Dez, Wallace. Um, and then the other one, the other one that I think could be really exciting is the Raiders are on the list. <laughs> Julio Jones in the black and silver. Well, hmm. Looks like Julio. Oh my God! I guess Julio's cap hit for this year is twenty-three million. Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. So we know one team that definitely won't be in the mix is the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know who the heck. There's always somebody out there who's way below the salary cap. Maybe, maybe the Raiders are one of them, and the Ravens. But I mean, my goodness, I, Julio Jones is okay, but I don't know. Twenty-three million, twenty-three million fifty thousand. Yeah. No, it's. It's uh, not pretty, and I know they're basically they were, they they were kind of not encouraging it at first, and now they've definitely put him not on the untouchable list, um, for trades. And as you said, that the cap hit of you know twenty three million dollars is a uh, not something Atlanta's looking forward to this year, or can really handle with the budgetary restrictions. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna be very interesting to see. There's there's still a lot of players that are going to be moving. I oh I believe it. That's why I say with the salary cap, the way it is, and and as you point out earlier, it actually went down for the first time in years. Uh, I mean, other than truly elite quarterbacks, I mean, I don't think anybody 
on any roster, offense or defense. I, mean, I don't think anybody's untouchable. Yeah. Well, do you, do you have any more thoughts on the uh, pre-draft before we before we'll eventually have to gear up and get ready for the post-draft? <laughs> no, I think we we hit the uh, the main points, uh, and I, I think I just think it'll be fascinating to see how the draft turns out. And if the Bears' philosophy for going after the positions we mentioned, of course, quarterback and cornerback and and offensive tackle, it'll be interesting to see how they actually how the reality stacks up against yeah. what we thought should be their priorities. Because you know, a lot of teams will go in there and say, "Well, we want to pick the best athlete who's available." But I think yeah, sometimes you, it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think you can usually do that in the the last maybe three rounds or so. You can. You can do that. Just look for physical athletes and stuff. But sometimes in those later rounds, going going after leadership and brain power is often a, something that people tend to forget as well. Um. Well, all I gotta say is, uh, don't let Mike Ditka get any hands on the on anyone's draft capital. <laughs> just just uh, don't don't get Ricky Williams on this. That, that's all I have to say. <laughs> They trade away half the draft, huh? or most of the draft. It's going to be like, uh, uh, you know, the Dolphins have made a trade with the Bears. The Bears have traded their first-round pick, second-round pick, next year's first and second and third to move up to pick six to select Mac Jones. <laughs> no! <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned Mike Dick, and that's another classic example of a guy who... And this happens all over in different sports, but he just was so ridiculously popular in his stint with the Bears, even though he did wind up fired. But uh, I, I think you, you get way overconfident. You know, he went over to the Saints, and he just kind of ran things like, you know, he didn't care what anybody thought or, you know, obviously he was trying to do the best he could to build the team, but uh, – he just seemed to be under the impression that he could do whatever he wanted. There would never be a reckoning. Uh, he was untouchable. Sounds about I, right. I see that a lot. I see that a lot. <laughs> he did last. I think he lasted four years over there. But uh, at least I think until he kind of got picks ran out. Yeah, but he kind of got exposed. Not that he was a bad coach. I mean, obviously he was coach when they won the Super Bowl. But I think well, I, I think he kind of got. Ex- he got exposed, though, that even though he might be an okay coach, but he's not the kind of, like, be-all, end-all that, like, the super fans on Saturday Night Live think he is. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, Ditka. It helps when you've got possibly the greatest all-around football team of all time. Yeah, and, I mean... And you just happen to be coaching them at this at that time. Yeah, I mean, really, the... <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I, yeah, as much as I don't want to, as much as I don't want to, you know, shit on... Phil Jackson or whatever. It's just like, oh, but he's such a great coach. I'm like, do you know who he's coached? Like, you're talking about all the success with the with the Bulls, where they've had absolute legends filling out the rosters, and then he and then after that, he takes a tough job. I'm just kidding. He goes to the Lakers, where there's Kobe Bryant and Shaq and a whole host of other absolute monster, you know, talent players and stuff. You know, but but it's like he's a good coach, but you're like, mm, you have to take it with a little bit, you know, especially with the Bears, the Bears of 85. You're like, honestly, you've, you've had one of the best all around teams of all time. Well, yeah. And I tend to agree with you uh, on Jackson as well. It's hard. 
obviously he's a very good coach because he won nine titles. You know, there's no way he can win that much. But but you're right. I mean, the players that he's had on his team. You know, it's interesting, and then you can always argue to the cows come home about what the single biggest element was, you know, that caused the Bears to win the 85 Super Bowl. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of stuff. Some people say Ditka. I don't agree. Some people say Buddy Ryan. Uh, I it think was, he was a big factor, but... It was clearly I, the sausage. That's what it was. It was <laughs> the sausages. But my my theory, there's one person... Of course, Walter Payton was a huge part of the mix, but you know the defense probably was more dominant than even he was that year. But really, it, it to me, and you'll never be able to prove it when... The one guy, and you could ask 100 people, and that one will come up with this. Who is the, the one, field goal the, kicker? The, the one guy Kevin who I think, no, no, no. The <laughs> one guy I think was the most responsible for the 85 Bears was not around, unfortunately, to enjoy him, but it was Jim Finks. You know, Jim Finks was the general manager of the Bears in the late 70s and early 80s, and he really built that team. You know, he was the guy who drafted, you know, the Dan Hamptons of the world and the Steve McMichaels and the, Jim McMahon's and all those guys. It just it just seems it just seems nuts. I mean, you honestly you have a team where almost all of their twenty two starters are Hall of Famers, especially like every member of the defense. Well, especially a team that only won one Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, obviously they had they had some closer, you know, some close chances surrounding it, but. Oh yeah. Again, 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 what do you what, right back to your point about not un, not underestimating a relatively elite quarterback what their contribution is. Because anytime yeah. anytime he went out, every everything went down. Yeah, I agree. And that that's a key point. If you take a look at the Bears playoff losses, they were games where either McMahon didn't play or he was injured. Uh they could have easily won two or three Super Bowls. And he wasn't even, I mean, he was a very good quarterback, but he was nowhere near like a top, you know, three or four quarterback even. But gosh, what if we had a quarterback like that again? Like I say, you can only dream. Yeah, I mean, even if you had a Jim, even if you had a, 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 you know, yeah, even if you had another McMahon, it would be, you know, that would probably be enough. And frankly, the Bears kind of petered out. The last time that they were really a force, I think they won one or two division titles afterwards, but the last time they were really a big force, they lost to the 49ers in the 88 uh, NFC Championship. Pretty bad, in fact. I think they lost 28-3. to But really, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of factors, don't get me wrong, but one of them was quarterback, you know. McMahon had a whole slew of injuries. His play had declined. I think he was traded after that year. And they really never found another one. You know, they had the you know Tom Zag and Jim Harbaugh and a whole string of other quarterbacks, but they never really found their true franchise quarterback again to this day. Well, and then of course, and then of course, Jim, Jim McMahon has to go on um, some network and talk about how amazing it, his his most his favorite time, of course, was being a, <laughs> yeah. being a being a Packer. Mm-hmm. And you, well, yeah, I, I bet. It, yeah, I bet it was. You get to collect a paycheck and sit on the bench. Well, in fairness, I don't think he said that was his favorite time, but I think what he did say was he said that that was the best organization that he was ever. Yeah, in. the best organization. And I'm like, the yeah, bar was the bar is very low. I'm like, I'm just like, hey, yeah, I'm like, hey, bro, look, look at your hands and and tell me, you know, where that ring came from. You know, well, he's got a ring on each hand. 
Yeah. He got one he got one with the he was only on the Packers, I think, for two years. He got a ring. <laughs> well that must have yeah, it must be lovely just to sit on the bench uh, and watch them do it for you. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I didn't check it online, but I don't know that he was ever in for a single uh he was in for some plays, but I don't know if he threw a single pass the whole season <laughs> that Super Bowl year. Yeah, Favre, of course, was the starter. <laughs> oh yeah, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. And even if he did throw any passes, he probably would have gotten hurt and taken out anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, if know. he hadn't been so brittle, the Bears would be sitting there with at least minimally two or three Super Bowl wins. That's for sure. Well, hopefully they can make a pick that'll lead them back to some Super Bowl victories uh, within the next few days. Um, well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening in. Once again, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to tell you where you can listen to us because obviously you're listening to us. Um, and if you're listening to us, you're probably the only fans that listen. You're coming from Facebook, so you already know what our Facebook group is. So it's uh, Surviving the Ground is the group on Facebook. that You can uh, find posts, and uh, we share links to... Um, all the episodes that are on Apple Podcasts, and I believe they're on Spotify, but um, I would rather die than try and search for our podcast on Spotify because we are absolutely <laughs> buried uh, in the lines. Um, and then uh, on Twitter, the STG Podcast, which is uh, typically where I'll I'll share a lot of various sports information or interesting posts or news. Um, I'll probably be on there during the draft. Um posting some various things so uh that'll be fun you can uh we'll, we'll call it a the 2021 nfl draft road to disappointment <laughs> um but we'll yeah keep no. our fingers crossed yeah but i appreciate everybody listening and of course i appreciate my dad uh for joining me again uh thank you dad anytime jay love it yep. and um thank you everybody for listening and uh be safe out there bye bye down. What if she's teasing me? How could I be her one and 